What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 11 of Trinity Music, a hip-hop podcast. I'm your host, Jordan, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Adam. Christian's under the weather today, but he'll be back for next week. For those out of the loop, as Trinity Music, we'll come to you each week with a brand new podcast, which discusses the newest in hip-hop and rap music. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Trinity Music Pod. If you have questions, comments, or concerns you want to air to the podcast, you can email us at trinitymusicpod at gmail.com. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts. This past week, we reviewed Anderson Pack's new single, Jewels, on our YouTube channel, so go on and subscribe to that. On today's episode, we'll discuss new singles from Benny the Butcher and St. John, and then towards the back end of the episode, we'll review Reason's new beginnings. But first, we want to circle back to Bryson Tiller's anniversary that dropped the week before last. We're talking about Anniversary, which is Bryson Tiller's third studio album. And as someone who's a huge fan of Tiller early on and bumped Trap Soul nonstop for like two years after it dropped, I'm confident in my review of this album. And I'd say it was a decent project. It's kind of short for someone who hasn't dropped in over three years and whose last project was a huge flop. And a lot of artists don't recover from stuff like that. But Tiller is one of those artists who has that talent that surpasses their work, I find. What about you? Taylor's sound on this album really harkens back intentionally to Trap Soul. Mm -hmm. In a sense, this album, I find it really works as a reset for his career. And through that lens, the album is mostly enjoyable and redemptive. Kind of how I felt when Lil Wayne put out Carter 5. I was just happy for Wayne to have put something out where he sounded like his old self. And I feel the same way about Taylor here. But absent those conditions, there's no individual song that provides as much replay value as Trap Soul. And there's not too much groundbreaking stuff that he does. There's some small things here and there that are kind of fun that are different enough from Trap Soul for this to really pop out. He's in a really difficult spot because most artists spend years developing their sound and vocals, releasing project after project in hopes of one day releasing their, their classic album. But Tiller did that on his first project at only 22 years old. So achieving that level of success on your first project is an insane amount of pressure for your career moving forward. He actually mentioned something similar to this in a recent interview he did with Genius, where he had talked on how Trap Soul just kind of came together and it was an organic process. But when he was making his sophomore album, True to Self, he felt kind of forced to make it and the labels really pushing him to do it. And then he said he had been working on his third album, which he's called Serenity for three years and he was not really inspired by any of the music and then it got to a point where i can't remember whether it was the beginning of this year late last year where he essentially decided to sideline that album to make anniversary here and he had admitted that true to self wasn't a real project that felt great and he he kind of felt lazy that the project wasn't super focused so really just was him having to try to focus back towards what worked on trap soul and apply it to anniversary yeah you could definitely see that he's trying to like the name in itself the artwork it's so similar so he's definitely bringing it around and it was on the anniversary that they dropped the deluxe so it's definitely playing on that and i know i'm bringing it up a lot but i'm gonna bring this all back around in a second but i'll just start with this that one of the reasons trap soul was so impactful was it was one of the most personal and emotional albums of 2017 with an original sound from a brand new artist Bryson laid it all on the table, his girl leaving him, being broke and broken, and all he wanted was his daughter. But after that album, he essentially gets everything he wanted. He achieves insane amounts of fame, wealth, he gets a new girlfriend, and most importantly, his daughter. And the reason I bring that up is just to say it's hard to make emotional love songs when you have everything that you've ever wanted. And that's why I think a lot of this music isn't hitting anymore. 
So this is something we've touched on a little bit here and there, and I know we've brought it up with the ASAP Ferg conversation a few weeks ago. Once an artist reaches a certain level of success, you're happy for them, right? Like their their life seems to be a bit better. They're they're well off, but mm-hmm. the quality of their music tends to drop. I mean, this is not something revolutionary in hip hop. This has happened in rock music for years. The moment an artist or a rock musician gets clean, t- their music tends to fall off a cliff. Mm-hmm. And you've seen that in similar instances. Not it's not a super straight through line, but someone like Eminem, you can see something like that. That the moment his life got figured out, yeah. the way his music didn't have as much pain in it, and when you put pain in a song, it's the most empathetic way for get, to get people invested in you. Absolutely. And don't get me wrong, Anniversary sounds good. His vocals are there. Though there are moments where they do that pitched up vocals. I think it was on Always Forever. And it's very slight, but his voice is already so pitched up that it just it kind of didn't work for me. But the story and the lyrics, it's they're good. The production is good. It's just I think it's missing that emotional connection that made Trap Soul feel so authentic. Yeah, so let's get into some of the songs here. There's definitely some stuff to chew on. So you just brought up Always Forever. So we'll we'll come back to years go by a little bit later, but Always Forever, I'm Ready For You, and Things Change. I thought this was the weaker part of the album. Mm-hmm. And most of that is because I've, I've heard a lot of this before. And some of Bryson's songs, they sound really good and you enjoy them until you dive a little bit deeper into the lyrics where you find some elements of toxic masculinity. Look, it's nowhere near as bad as what Future does or what Drake has done occasionally. <laughs> but there's still moments where I wish he took a different angle on some of these relationship songs. In the Genius interview he did for the for the album that I mentioned a little bit earlier, he actually, for Don't, he originally, he writes the song from the perspective of another man stealing his woman. Of course, the way he phrases it, he's in the first person, that he is the person taking the girl. But he actually wrote it from another man's point of view about his own girlfriend at the time. That makes sense. So when he did it five years ago, it was okay. It was new. But now he needs to start finding different angles. And I I have this thing with, with Taylor and his other artists too, that if you're not doing something original, you have to do it better than other people. Otherwise, you're Absolutely. just going to fade into the background. Absolutely. So there is something, there's still something unique to what Taylor does. And that's the we- reason that people wait so patiently on his music. But he needs to start finding slight different angles on it. So back to the album. The three songs are, again, two through four. I thought it was a little weak, especially because I think tracks one and five are probably the strongest. So that little three-track part there is, it definitely weighted down a little bit for me, especially after Years Go By came on and it was just like a heavy rap cut, a lot like Rambo from Trap Soul, that I got really amped for the record and then it just kind of slowed down a bit. Not to go on too long here, I did want to talk about what I thought were the most interesting songs on the record, which are Timeless Interlude and Keep Doing What You're Doing. Mm-hmm. I love Timeless Interlude Me too. because it's a song where he talks on the expectations he's faced over the past five years. And this isn't something we normally get from Tiller, so it's so refreshing. And he knows it because he literally says it in the song <laughs> where he, he says, normally I'm closed off, but just for this specific song, I might try to let them in, save lesson for a different song. Like, yes, Bryson, please do it for more than just one song. (laughs) Yeah, and that's something I came to the same conclusion at the end is we can see people, fans are invested in this, uh, call it a relationship or whatever with the artist. People want to see you doing well. We know that you're doing well. You're showing it off on Instagram, like you're jet skiing and doing all this fun stuff. There's nothing wrong with making feel good music as well. Absolutely. And then the other song that I really liked where he did something a little different was Keep Doing What You're Doing, which is a tribute to his late grandmother where he tells us, the last couple of things she told them before he passed. I don't remember him making a song like this before. 
maybe he did on true to self i honestly did not go back to listen to that album prep for this i obviously listened to trap soul a bunch mm-hmm. so just a song like that was another breath of fresh air from a production standpoint we already mentioned it but they kept a lot of similar sounding beats and the 808s are the same from trap soul they experimented a bit around the middle of the album with songs like sorrows and inhale which are more chris brown sounding vibes which makes sense because he's written for chris brown but other than that a lot of it was the same i actually have points on well one point on inhale and i'm sorry but i just hate how the guest vocals are mixed on this track Hmm. it's i they're incomprehensible to me i don't understand what they're trying to say and then just back to timeless interlude small production note on it if you're going to call a song an interlude make sure it's not the fourth shortest song on the record (laughs) that's a good point there's no reason it should be called an interlude this song it's three minutes long it's longer than a few of the other ones on this track on the sorry on this album here and so that was just a little odd to me and then and also about timeless interlude from a production standpoint it's hard and also isn't most of his album really it's hard not to think about early era drake when you're going through a tiller album here it sounds there's moments where it sounds a little like so far gone or take care so on timeless interlude it sounds a little like look what you've done from tank care and the sample sounds a little like fire and desire from views and then what I love about the song, which again, it was something slightly different. He did the drums come in about halfway through the song. And it's just enough to make the song that sounded a lot like a Drake track, just a little bit different than what Drake would have done. Since you mentioned it, the the Drake feature, I I found it was all right. I think they were, it was like a competition. I think because Drake wanted to sign Tiller at one point and there was that animosity for a while. So I think this was literally just like Drake. He's like, I'm going to bring my best vocals. It doesn't matter. It just has to sound good so I can compete with Tiller. That's the only vibe I got from this. Yeah, it's a bit of an odd song because, I mean, look, it's exactly what I would have assumed a Bryson Tiller and Drake song would have sounded like. But I find it weird how the song essentially ends halfway through and essentially restarts. And it's like you're saying, it's almost like they're going versus each other, where Drake gets the first minute and a half and then Tiller gets the second minute and a half. And you decide who did better at doing essentially the exact same thing. <laughs> it's an enjoyable listen. It's, it's nothing, no one hit it out of the park here. But yeah, it was definitely a little different from the rest of the album again, just because there was a feature on a Bryson Teller album, which I'm pretty sure we've never gotten before. Other than maybe females singing, I'm not, I don't think so. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, other than the, it's the first credited feature, I would say, on an album. Exactly. I have to say, I don't see myself returning to this project too much. We still have Trap Soul, which is just indefinitely better. The only notable songs to me were Timeless Interlude, where Bryson was able to capture a bit of that old energy and maybe the outro track next to you, but that's mostly because of the beat and chorus go so hard. And I just want to say, as we exit this review, I still think Bryson is an insanely talented artist. I just think he needs to decide if he wants to continue essentially making the same type of song over and over, or if he wants to expand beyond that. I said it before, but the fans are willing to accept you're happy, Bryson. You can make happy music. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, uh, I'm along the same lines here where I definitely enjoyed this record. There's some level of nostalgia that we got because of how similar it sounded to Trap Soul, which again, it's intentional that this sounds a lot like Trap Soul. I mean, for God's sakes, we haven't talked about it, but the album cover, it's literally a mirror image. Well, maybe not literally, but it's intended to be a mirror image of Bryson five years later. Mm -hmm. In that sense, I like it as a reset for his career. It seems like he's mentioned, I mean, artists say this all the time, that, hey, I got another album ready to come soon. We'll see if we get the Serenity album anytime soon or whatever the heck else he's calling it these days. Because I think he talked about another album, which is essentially like the Ed Sheeran album, where it's collaborations with other artists, the entire album. But it seems like he's ready, that he just needed this album to jolt himself back into feeling 
motivated and inspired again. So I think we'll get something new from Bryson relatively soon, and I hope that's where we'll see the progress. So again, a lot like Carter Five. I'm happy this album came out. It's enjoyable. It's it's someone puts it on in the background. I'm not going to be mad, but I would like to see a little bit more progression going forward. So just having finished up that Bryson Tiller review, I thought it was a good time and a great opportunity to talk about singing and rap music. So it really started with 808s and Heartbreak and then was commercialized by Drake. And now there's this entire subgenre of artists. I find that just blur the hell out of the line between what's rapping and what's singing. Are they rappers or are they singers? And so I just thought it'd be a good time to have this discussion here on which artists do we think, you know, who does it the best, who maybe does it too much, and maybe who should do it a little bit more. And I'll just say one more thing, Adam, before I, I, I send it out to you here is I've kind of been dealing with this, this like sliding scale. Essentially, sure. 100% is someone who would rap all the time. So you were thinking Pusha T here. Mm-hmm. And I would say we we're thinking Freddie Gibbs, but then he I just remembered he sang on the Conway album. So he can't be the 100% anymore. Okay. And then if you go swing the complete other way, 100% singing would be someone like Usher, who we almost never hear him rap. It's almost all singing. Mm-hmm. So, and then like I've mentioned, just what this whole part is about here is these days, a lot of these artists, they do some type of mixture of the two. Even people like Frank Ocean and Beyonce do some type of mixture. So that's just how I've been viewing it. So I'm going to be talking about like 40% singing, 60% rapping as we go forward here. That's, just, that's how I view who does how much of each and whether or not they should scale it up or down. So Adam, you take this wherever you want to go now. Who does it the best? Who does it too much? Who should do it a little bit more? Well, I'll start with who does it the best. And for this, we might have scaled. We might have we might have measured these differently. I I just picked five artists who I think are doing it the best. And in no particular order, I picked Andre 3000, Lauren Hill, Chris Brown, Drake, and last but certainly not least, Nate Dogg. Okay, so from those five there, interesting, a couple of them. I'm surprised particularly by one of them. And we'll mm. maybe we'll, we'll loop back to that certain someone in a little bit. I definitely cannot argue with Lauren Hill or Nate Dog or Three Stacks. Mm-hmm. Those ones, especially, I mean, all of them, like I'm trying to like single out one of them. They all have done it most of their career. Lauren Hill is probably the absolute best example of it. She and, and she did it way, way before her time. I, I said at the beginning mm-hmm. of this little section here that 808s and Heartbreak is the beginning, but then you have Lauren Hill who's been doing it, you know, 15 years before that. So absolutely. Yeah. These, these crew here, I, I didn't really do a top five. I had just had three names. Mm-hmm that are at the top of my list were black SZA and the weekend. Okay. See the weekends that like bordered, is he, I, I, I even checked online. There's nothing really, he hasn't released a rap album by any means. It's always an R and B album. So it's so difficult to call him a rapper, even if he has those adjacent moments where he touches it and he. Exactly. Yeah. Weekend is definitely, he's a guy who I would say is more like 70, 75%, if not 80% singing. And then he'll like, throw in 20% of rapping just to keep things interesting, just to keep things going. Yeah, He definitely did it the most on the Starboy album. Mm-hmm. You think back to a track like Sidewalks and of course the title track Starboy mm-hmm. where it's it's a lot of rapping on it and he sounds really good. And then most recently on the Metro Boomin song Heartless, that's essentially just a rap song where it's, yeah. I would say it's the weekend rapper featuring the weekend singer. The singer is the guy who does the hook and then the rapping is all during the verses. There's also that song Low Life with Future, right? And he kind of, he does the yeah. chorus, but he also has some rapping bars in that. And that's my that's probably my favorite representation of him doing that. Yeah, that one too. And then the other one just off the top of my head, it would be Might Not with Belly, where it's okay. him just going in for 16 bars. So I think those ones do the best. 
I think hopefully we'll be talking about SZA soon. I I would assume we're going to get into TD in uh, about five, 10 minutes here, but, and then black black is definitely one of those guys where it depends on the song. I'm like, I don't know, are, dude, are you rapping or are you singing? <laughs> he doesn't do it to the point where I'm like, you know, to just like pick one. I like how he tends to go back and forth and he like, he'll rap while singing or sing while rapping. So mm-hmm. I find that's an interesting blend. Someone who does it too much now. And this is where I want to talk about. I talked about the other four guys, but actually I didn't talk about Drake, but we talk about Drake enough. Mm-hmm. Chris Brown, you think he oh. does it the best. I mean, he has very good vocals. I'm not saying he, I'm not a huge Chris Brown fan in the sense that I don't play his music very often. I hear a lot, but I don't, I, I never really search for it. It comes to me kind of thing. He's a good vocalist. He has powerful vocals. Yeah, I would. It's just that it's kind of what you just said there. And then this is why I had a bit of an issue when Beyonce put out the Carter's album where she essentially just rapped. Like, you guys are so good at singing. Just keep singing. Just throw in little elements here of you guys rapping, and that's okay. So, and also just a complete side point, I don't know why Chris Brown feels the need to use auto-tune on some of his songs. Again, my guy, you can sing perfectly. You do not need to use auto-tune. So, yeah, yeah I, I just put it out there. I didn't overthink it too much. I Maybe it's more the auto-tune stuff that bothers me about Chris Brown these days than the rapping he does, but mm-hmm. fair point. Okay, so uh, we're a little bit different there. Yeah, I have a different take, but I think it's undeniable as to who should do it less, and I'll just... 21, 21, 21. Oh, boy. Uh, like, seriously, though, I like that he's expressing himself in such a vulnerable way. I just... If you don't get a vocal coach, I don't want to hear this ever. Yeah, at least at least he uses a bit of autotune. It, it makes him sound even weirder, but at least it doesn't make him sound worse. Mm-hmm. All right, and then let's just get into now who should do it more. All right. Who should be blending rap and rapping and singing, whether they're an R&B artist that should rap a little bit more or a rapper you think should dabble a little bit more in singing? The first person that came to mind when we, we came up with this, I just immediately thought of Big Sean because he's been doing a really good of teasing us with singing over the years. And I I was really pleased with when he did it on everything that's missing off Detroit too. So I'd be down for some more of that. Okay, yeah. Yeah, he's one of those guys that he's at this point, he's like 97% rap, 3% singing. Yeah. And I think I agree. It would be cool if he went to like 92% rapping and 8% singing. <laughs> just a little bit more. Just throw it in a little bit more, some melodies, because it just it also makes you sound on the right songs, it'll make you more empathetic to people listening to you when if you try to sing a bit. Yeah, if it's an emotional song. The one guy I had for who should do it more, it's the guy we spent the first 15 minutes of this podcast talking about is Bryson Teller. Mm. My favorite song from Teller is Rambo. Yep. And that's because he's just like cold-blooded. He's singing, he's kind of rapping. I don't really know what's going on. And then on this album here, I mentioned at the top of the, the review was Years Go By and I really like when he does stuff like that, where it's like aggressive singing to the point where it sounds like rapping. So I don't even know, literally bar to bar, I don't know if he's singing or rapping. And I just, he didn't do it that much here on this album, but I would just like a little bit more of that. So I just thought that Tiller mixing it a little bit more would help. All right, so now we're going to move on to our singles roundup for the week. We have three tracks. First, we wanted to start off with Benny the Butcher's Timeless featuring Big Sean and Lil Wayne. Yeah, this marks his first collab with Hit Boy, and I think it's rumored to be off his upcoming album, Burden of Proof, that I believe they're saying Hit Boy is going to produce. Is that correct? Yeah, it be, it's been confirmed. I don't know if it's exclusively Hit Boy. I'm pretty sure it is, and it will be dropping on October 16th. So by the time people start hearing this, 
you'll either the album will already be out or will be in the run up to it. Okay. Well, I'm just going to start off the review by saying Benny absolutely snapped on this song. He matched the energy of the beat so well and it made the intro so strong. What about you? Benny's verse is really on point here. At this point, there is no Benny the Butcher verse that misses in 2020 or even in 2019, last couple of years. I find because of the album, and we mentioned this on our Twitter account on Friday, it is one of the more commercial sounding Griselda tracks that's ever existed. And I find it's a nice introduction for new people that may not know too much about him. And in that way, it's a more accessible song to a broader fan base. And then about Hip Boy here, the beat's nothing special, but again, it's it's a bit of a different sound than what we've usually heard from Griselda. Hip Boy produced Fear of God off the Conway album, which that too sounded a little bit more commercial, but it wasn't quite as polished as this song sounds. I think we should get into the Wayne feature, just because obviously that was one of the standout names we saw on the on the track. And I think Wayne did a good job. He definitely brought he brought it lyrically. I just don't think his energy matched the beat that well. I found his vocals paled in comparison to the hard-hitting drums. What about you? I think Wayne is just here in an unfortunate position, much like Big Sean and Jay Electronica were on control when Kendrick was in there. Not to this extent, but Wayne has a really good verse. It's just sandwiched between two verses that are much, much better than his. It might have just been that Benny went so hard that Wayne just pales in comparison. So it could have been that as well. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's a good, it's like a 7 out of 10 verse from Wayne. But when, you know, Benny drops a great verse and we're going to, I'm sure we're going to get into the Big Sean verse any second now. It just sound it sounds like Wayne th- was just punching below his weight. But the fact is everyone else just did such a great job on the track. Yeah, it's true. I got similar vibes from Sean at the beginning. He's a deeper voice than Wayne. So it made it easier for his verse to stand out from the beat. And that's probably why I enjoyed it so much. Yeah, absolutely. Wayne's voice just compared to the beat, it's just it has a tough time getting over and above it compared to the deeper voices of both Benny and Sean. And Sean also drops one of the hardest bars on here. Uh, Now I'm going to paraphrase it slightly. He says, signed a slave deal. Now I'm up owning my masters. Watch me turn good into great. Sean is obviously referring to the deal he originally signed with Good Music and how he now owns his masters thanks to Kanye. And I think he's also just showing that he's evolved from good to great in the exact in exactly that way, kind of signaling he's evolved. Yeah, it's I love this verse from Big Sean. It was probably the best verse I heard all weekend. Mm-hmm. He talks, he, he just sounds like he's growing up. And I know that's been going on with Sean for a long time. He start, I felt like we started hearing the evolution of Sean on Hall of Fame seven years ago. And then when we got Detroit 2 a month ago, while maybe we quibbled a little bit over how long the album was and some issues there. But as a rapper, Sean has matured so well that he has very few weak bars these days. So he just, every single bar on this track, especially the when he plays on, he has people who have Bs owning him Ms. Mm-hmm. And that's like Gs to them. And it's what a great internal rhyme scheme there. The song ends on an abrupt fade out, alluding to the possibility of maybe a third feature verse that I'll assume we're going to get on the album. I'm, I'm not too sure, but either way, I'm really excited. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, I didn't notice that at all. That's that's interesting. Yeah. At this point, again, by the time we this comes out to the public, Burden of Proof, you might have heard it. So we'll hold back our thoughts on Benny for now and probably save it for the next episode of the podcast. The next song we wanted to get into is St. John's Gorgeous. So I'll just start this off here. The track is for his upcoming album that was originally slate to drop in middle of October, but apparently just got moved to November. So we have a bit more time now. I'm not sure what that has to do with anything with how the song has been received. Mm. 
on the song itself, it's a high BPM track, which has got to give you the same vibes you got from Roses. And I'm wondering here if he's just trying to follow the Roses remix, that is, of course, follow the blueprint of what worked for him in the summer. And if he's just trying to replicate that. Yeah, I think you're you're onto something there. It doesn't seem the most authentic song for him or personal. I think it's a it's a good hype song. Like you mentioned, the BPMs of the beat. If you're feeling yourself and you're looking to wild out, this song will serve you well, I would say. And I'm not exactly sure what he meant when he says, I don't even think I thought it twice. Wait, what? I don't even. That's how complicated the line is. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even think I thought twice that I thought it because that's an oxymoron if I've ever heard it, but he makes it sound good, I guess. Yeah, I'm not even going to try to understand what the hell he's trying to say there. <laughs> I'll just say again about the, the way this song sounds, like you mentioned, it doesn't sound like St. John. It doesn't sound like anything off of his last album. Mm-hmm. Like his template has been a lot of these slow, moody trap songs so far. So I'm not sure if it's the new sound that doesn't work for me or just that it's just not that great of a song. But there was definitely something off when I heard it. Like it's a song that's supposed to be catchy. But it still has to be a good song before it becomes catchy. So I'm not sure we're going to get there. It's actually funny that you mentioned it. And it's something I noticed is his tone isn't the same as normal. And to me, I was getting, I'm curious if you picked it up at all, like Kid Cudi vibes. And it's obviously we're talking different tempos because Cudi goes slower in general than St. John here. But I was getting like his tone of voice so much like Kid Cudi. Yeah, it's hard to imagine Kid Cudi over this type of beat, though. That's the only thing. And just, I don't think Cuddy, not that this is, he's rapping fast on the song here, but trying to imagine Cuddy following the tempo on the song, Cuddy would just not do it. He would just find his own pockets and rap in it differently. He would hum over it for like 10 minutes. A hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> but just, I don't know, the tone of voice to me, it struck a chord. Like the first thing I heard, I was like, this is a very similar, the deep tone voice of, of Cuddy. All right. Last song we wanted to get into here was Travis Scott's franchise remix, which more or less the same song, but featuring Future now. So, Adam, what did you think? Well, when I saw this remix was coming, I was excited. I thought Future's voice seemed like it would pair very well with the beat and the vibe of this track. But that being said, it just didn't work for me. Like, I was right sonically that Future's voice sounds good on the song, but the verse and Future's energy just didn't flow right for me. Kind of like you there, I'm a little disappointed in this verse. He tries two or three different flows on the verse and none of them really fit perfectly. And I got to wonder if he constantly changed up his flow here because even he couldn't find something for him to rhyme on beat. It sounds like he's a little off every time, even when he switches up his flows. So I, in general there, again, because that's the new part of the song here, except for one little part about the outro. So in general, I did find myself a little let down from this remix. I think one of the big issues here was timing. Just, I think had they spent more time working on the remix instead of just getting it out in like something like two weeks, it could have been a lot better. Like the song is number one. It's huge. You don't need to drop the remix less than two weeks later. I don't have to tell the music industry how to do their business. Let the original track run its course. And then when it's like 85% done, then you drop the remix, bring new life to it and dropping a lower tier remix so quickly. It's almost like an adverse effect because now people are, it's going to accelerate people not wanting to listen to the song. In a way, this remix coming out so soon after the original kind of signals that the label's panicking a bit, I find. Maybe, maybe. And I think from what I've understood, it looks like it's going to shoot down pretty hard after debuting at number one here. So maybe they just panicked and they said, okay, let's get the future verse out right away just to try to keep the momentum going. Maybe. Just because you have future on a remix doesn't mean it's going to work well. I mean, on in 2020. 
yeah, St. John just tried that there with the Roses remix where they throw a future on, try to keep that going, and ultimately you didn't need it. The song, the remix did okay, and I'm sure this one will too, just partially because of future, but I don't think you really needed it. And I want to say one other thing about this song, and it does seem like Travis listens to his criticism because on the original song, almost every person complained about the MIA feature, and she is barely on this remix. Part of it, I'm sure, is they wanted to keep the track short and they didn't want to make it a five-minute song all of a sudden. But I'm wondering how much of it was, well, we're not going to cut the Young Thug part, but maybe we can cut MIA's verse. Mm, yeah, that's a interesting take. And then the other thing, only other point I had about this song here was I like the new outro. I knew the song had a beat switch in it. I just didn't know they were going to wait till the remix to drop it. Okay, then last thing we wanted to get into before we got out of here for the week was the new album by Reason, New Beginnings. Yeah, we're talking about Reason's debut album and his second release through Top Dog Entertainment, TDE. And I just want to say I was really pleased and impressed by this project. The album has classic TDE energy you'd expect on it. And I really enjoyed playing this for the last week. Yeah, surprisingly, there's a lot to chew on on this album. We can talk about Reason's sound and whether or not it's too derivative of some of his label mates. And Mm -hmm. we can talk about some of the clever wordplay he has on some of these tracks. And we can even talk about some very questionable and borderline controversial lines he has about mac miller or tde i want to talk on all those things yeah but overall i just i want to say i feel like there's something missing to reason Hmm. he has all the right ingredients to be a successful artist and really one that fits my wheelhouse and what i like Mm -hmm. but something feels off and it's taken me a while to narrow it down he's spilling out his heart on a lot of this album but i kept finding myself like asking why does this feel like it's falling short And I think it's a combination of he doesn't have enough talent. Like he's definitely a talented rapper, but I'm not sure he's talented enough or he hasn't honed his skills enough yet to be able to switch gears so much throughout this album. And then the other part of it is the, and I'll come back to this one towards the end when we're talking about the production, but I find that three of the four singles, all of them except Sauce, kind of take me out of the album a bit. Maybe because that some of them are so old that they, they just sound different. But I think some combination of that, him switching gears so much, which it might possibly be because of those all the singles he had before the album came out, just made it difficult to get into the album fully. Yeah, I think we're we're on similar planes there. And I'll say Reason is definitely still a developing artist in a lot of ways. I don't think he's 100% found his identity in TDE. And so he's embodying elements from other artists on the label. But that's all right. Like, I'll let it pass. The difficult part with this is he's now, I looked this up, he's 30 years old. So it's difficult, like a lot of artists, to find their identity at an older age, especially in hip hop. But I'm willing to give him another chance. I I am pleased with this project and I think there's potential, but I agree with you that it's not, he's not there yet as an artist. Right. Okay. So let's start getting into some of how we performed here and some of the songs. Mm -hmm. I did find the album started off a little slow with something more and stories I forgot. Something more is a good but not great slow burning track. And if you're going to open your debut album with this type of song, you have to hit it out of the park. And I'm not sure he did it there. Again, I find some of his best wordplay is on this track here, but it just, it's not good enough to be the lead song on your first album. And then just about stories I forgot, I did not care for his flow on that song at all. It was just hard to get into that track because of how choppy the verse was. Yeah, I completely agree. And the 
first two songs i basically skip after the first couple plays and i basically start the album at the at pop shit with schoolboy q so i think we should get into that and i just want to say i love this song the beat is has this dark eerie sounding riff and they lay over these dark powerful vocals from reason on the chorus and then he comes in with his regular voice and i was like that was really strong for me I want to talk about the the Schoolboy Q feature. I think it's been very quiet out here for Q with his last two projects not really working, but I was super pleased with his performance here, and I was curious what you thought. Well, I want to know what you think about why is there an issue with Blank Face, because that album was fantastic. But <laughs> I don't know. It didn't hit for me. We'll agree to disagree on that one. I think we definitely both agree on Crash not being very good. Yeah. Then on the feature here, yeah, Q brought it. I really enjoyed it. He always brings a certain type of, he brings an edge to a song. And I do find the production on this track does allow for a Schoolboy Q feature to flourish. So the combination here, I thought fit really well. Absolutely. Speaking of fitting well, uh, we should probably get on to the next song with it featuring kind of Kendrick Lamar, Showstop. Yeah, I just, I, I, my only real note on this song here, this is the second time a TDE artist has only been able to get ad libs from Kendrick Lamar. <laughs> this happened to J Rock two years ago. And I'm just wondering, like, does Kendrick charge that much for a feature where <laughs> poor J Rock and Reason can only get him just yelling in the background? Oh, boy. Well, I'll say I found this. I thought it was a good song with catchy beat and chorus. I, I will say I kind of upset that we didn't get a real Kendrick feature. We get a mm-hmm. decent spread from TDE on the album. So I wonder the only thing I could come up with was that maybe the Kendrick feature would outshine reason too much. And they didn't want that. Maybe I don't know if it's money. I feel like it's probably not, but who knows? Yeah. I, I honestly have no idea what it is at this point. We're, we're starving out here in the streets for anything from Kendrick these days. And yeah, I know this this song came out a few months ago, so it's I've been able to let it marinate for a while, and I'm still I still need a verse from him on this song. I'm sorry. Yeah, I thought that it was like a teaser when the song was out prior to not having an actual Kendrick feature, and it would on the album, but apparently not. Yeah, I don't have much to say on "I Can Make It Here" except for that Rhapsody remains one of the most underrated rappers in hip hop. Absolutely, like it's that's my only note on the song. We didn't really talk about Twelve Problems, which is a song that came out from her about a month ago. But man, that song was really powerful. And on this track here, she just rips through the verse entirely. So that that's my only note on this track. We're in similar boats again. Like it's a strong, I'll say the song has a strong bop to the beat that works with the lyrical warfare that both Reason and Rhapsody deliver. But Rhapsody did a really good job on here. And that's all I really wanted to say about this is she killed it. Okay, so now let's get into what I thought was the stronger half of the album. The first half of the album is good. It's all right. I definitely think he shines Reason specifically a lot more on the second half and that starts with fall where he breaks down on his first for some of the difficulties that female rappers might have and he did an interview with paper magazine this past weekend he said specifically this verse was written about rhapsody wow so that was a nice touch they got to collaborate after that and then the second verse it's the one with the mac miller line so i'm just going to hold back a little bit here and adam i'll let you jump in i don't know if you want to talk about the first verse or maybe you want to jump right into mac you tell me well, I'll start. I'll just say this is, like you mentioned, a deeply emotional song where Reason speaks from the perspective of both a woman and a man trying to make it in the music industry. The challenges each of them will have to endure and overcome just for a chance at making it. And I just want to say, I like when artists make informative music for other artists. A lot of up-and-coming artists are looking up to the to their peers for information and who aren't aware of what they're in for. So I appreciated that. I will say I really wasn't a huge fan of the passing of Mac Miller reference as an example of how you can end up. I understand him using it more as 
a means to warn people, but it didn't sit right with me to bring up his actual name in that vein. And I would just say it shouldn't have been there. Yeah, I don't think he meant anything malicious behind it, but you cannot speak upon the dead like that, especially those that have suffered from mental illness and battled drug addiction. Like on the first verse, he doesn't bring up Rhapsody by name, even though he said after the fact, hey, this was me essentially rapping about about her. So I don't see the reason for why. See what it did there? Yeah. I don't see why he needed to put Mac Miller's name in the song. He didn't have to at all. It would have been totally fine. And again, I don't think he's saying something negative about mac miller here but it's just it's kind of it's kind of wishy-washy you don't know maybe he is maybe he's not i i can i've seen some people online say that you know the terrible he's he's basically blaming mac miller for it and i see on the other side how saying people are just gonna take advantage of you even after you pass so mm-hmm. it's i would have just stayed the hell away from this yeah, I, I'll give him the pass because this entire song seems more of like a warning to a lot of up and coming artists and stuff like that. So I'll give him the pass. Obviously, I don't control his career or anything. But like for me, enjoying him as an artist, like if it continues like this, that could be make or break. If this if this came, convinced me that he was insulting Mac, it would have been a really big deal. The next song on the track list is Sauce featuring Vin Staples. We already reviewed that when it came out two weeks ago. But all around a good song. I would say if you're looking for that, check out two weeks ago's episode or the clip up on YouTube if you want to know more. Yeah, 100%. And then two more tracks I wanted to get into. So I think we'll start with Extinct here because, first of all, I think the story behind this song is funny. It was essentially an Isaiah Rashad track that he didn't finish. Hmm. So Reason just came up, swooped it, and stuck a JID verse in there, which, you know, we're still waiting out here for another Isaiah Rashad project. So just hearing that this is literally what happens to we know at least of one song that he's been on is it's somewhere between funny and sad. I'm not sure where. And then I did say from a from a rapping perspective here, I really liked how it was smart, actually, for a reason to come back after the J.I.D. verse and even just do four or six bars, whatever it was, just to like r- remind people, hey, by the way, this was my song. Okay, that's interesting. I wasn't aware of that, but I, I enjoyed the song overall. I also really liked how they all incorporated the Stronger from Kanye's uh Damn, they don't make it like this anymore. I like how they all kind of incorporated that into their verses. I thought that was fun. So the next side, West Side featuring Mariba, is definitely the most feel-good song, relaxing song off the album, to me at least. Every time I hear it, I picture myself playing it early in the morning, driving somewhere as the sun comes up. It's it's definitely a vibe. Yeah, she does one hell of a job here, delivering a really smooth hook that sets the tone for the rest of the song. And it was, again, something slightly different here. Kind of like Bryson Tiller, where there's something a little different going on on this track than the rest of the album that really made it stand out, I find. And then I just wanted to touch briefly on Windows Cry, and maybe not so specifically itself, but I did find that Reason on this album was definitely at his best when he was storytelling. So we talked about Fall earlier on the record, and I really enjoyed both Slowdown and Windows Cry. Both of them where he's either he's talking about his family or his initial doubts on signing with Top Dog. And interestingly, on Windows Cry, he name drops Kendrick Lamar, Day Free, McSpiley, and of course, Top Dog himself. So it's on these personal moments on these three songs specifically where he lets you in a little bit more. And he gets, I find like this is finally, we're finding the secret sauce for reason where he can still be the gangster rapper at times, but it's in these three songs here where I find we really get into it and he sounds a little bit more unique and he stands out a bit from his contemporaries. Yeah, I think you put it very well. And I'll just say this Windows Cry was a good way to end the album. A lot of artists use their outro as more like a softer tone. It's relaxing just to ease you out. But 
reason doesn't do that in this in this case he really lets you into like the facets of his mind and it gets deeply personal and he also kind of gets into his 2088 bag it doesn't say who sings the chorus but i believe it's mariba they both did a good job and it just it sounded really good and like gave me sean and janae vibes yeah i agree it, it was a nice way to end the album in general again i thought this is an album that should work, especially for someone with my taste in music in terms of what I like and my, what that my rappers have. So he does a really good job on it. There are moments on the album that, again, I thought him shifting gears a little bit, and a lot of that is the singles here. And I wonder how much Top Dog had a say on putting some of these songs on the final album track list. In terms of Pop Shit, Showstop, and Flick It Up specifically, this happened, and there's like stories about it, and Isaiah Rashad has confirmed it, Back when Sylvia demo was dropping, Top Dog specifically asked to add a couple songs onto the record that Isaiah wasn't really feeling that were a little bit more dated, but Top Dog, it was thought it was important to put some of those tracks on. So I'm wondering here, so we know there's evidence of him doing it in the past. I'm wondering if Top Dog said, hey, you have to put Showstop on the album. You have to put Flick It Up on the album. You have to put Pop Shit on the album because those feature three of the bigger TDE artists. Mm-hmm. even though Kendrick Lamar is uncredited here. I wonder if you take those three songs out here, if maybe the album's not as flashy, Oh yeah, but maybe it sounds a little bit more cohesive. Yeah, it would definitely be a more personal album at that point because those songs are clearly just singles. They don't necessarily f- flow with the rest of the album. It's an interesting take for sure. I'd wonder. I'd, I'd be curious to hear it. All right, so I think we're going to end the review right there. Reason I actually did speak in an interview with Paper Magazine that this album was initially slated to come out sooner but td had held it up for covid purposes so i'm wondering if this is the beginning of just a boatload of tde albums coming out including hopefully kendrick lamar so i think that's all we'll have for today if you like what you heard please rate and review us on apple podcast also please go on and subscribe to our youtube channel we're averaging about one additional review a week that's exclusively available on youtube so go and check that out you can find us on instagram and twitter at Trinity music pod also continue spreading the word of the podcast any which way you want. Until then, have a good one.